Today's swap in number is 1,983. That's the number of pilots who have joined Southwest since we signed our contract in 2016. Those pilots weren't here for our last contract negotiations and aren't aware of the four and a half year effort it took, including federal mediation to get a fair contract. For the first time, Swapa pilots conducted informational picketing over a series of five events culminating in the largest single site pilot picket in industry history. It was a watershed event that we keep at the forefront of our thinking as we gear up for 2020. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Mike Panabianco, SWAPA Vice President, who had a front row seat to the whole thing and will give us a look behind the scenes during one of the most turbulent times our union and our company have ever faced. I'm Amy Robinson, and subbing in today for Kurt Heidemann is communications editor Casey Castile. Welcome, Casey. And today we'd like to welcome Mike Panabianco. Hi, Mike. Hey, thank hey, Mike. you for having me and glad to be here with you. So, Mike, you've had an interesting path here at SWAPA. Talk to us a little about how you got started in union work. Well, uh, I will tell you that I wasn't uh, not the traditional unionist, that I came to SWAPA after an issue impacted my career. Uh, just like a lot of pilots that come to work at SWAPA, I was a little bit of an activist. Uh, back in 2008, I was displaced out of Orlando when they opened the Las Vegas base. And at Southwest, we didn't have a domicile right of return at, at that point. So if you were booted out of your base, there was no guarantee you'd ever get back. Even when the slots opened up, they were open to seniority bidding. So you'd be shoved out of your domicile and have to commute somewhere indefinitely while other people were bidding in and out of the base. And uh, a bunch of us from Orlando were pretty upset about that. So I started a little bit of a movement in the Orlando base to get right a return on the on the docket for SWAPA. Came here to uh, Empire Central a couple times and presented my case to the board. Was not successful, but uh, that language that I worked on back then is actually in the contract today. So we've talked a little bit about how you got started in SWAPA in 2014, um, but let's go back a little bit further. You were hired September 28th of 2000, um, and at that time we had around 3,500 pilots and about 345 aircraft. Uh, what? How do you feel like SWAPA and SWA compare to that today? So Southwest today is is such a different animal than it was Southwest of the year 2000 and the guys senior to me will all go, yeah, it was even more different the earlier you get. But you look at the culture of Southwest back then when I, when I showed up here, there was such a, a feeling of employee ownership, a lot of herb around, uh, still out there in the public eye and, and doing herb things. And the, the feel of Southwest was, it was still kind of a family airline. It wasn't that big. I think at that time I got hired, we were around 30,000 employees. And I think we're double that now. It was a it was a great feel to come here, and uh, and that culture I think is still alive today. A lot of it, you know, when you go out on the line and you deal with the people that work at Southwest, there's still a lot of that there. You know, they still harp on the values and they still uh, work towards that. But it's just such a big company now, and uh, a lot of our shift has been to numbers and cost, and not as much to you know the freedom to fly, the uh, positively outrageous service, and and the servant's heart. Those were such a huge part of the day to day. And now it's just a little bit more technical and it's you know, a little less family, but it's still a great place to work. Swapa today, even from Swapa 2014 and 2015, I think 
has become much more member centric, communicates much more proficiently and gets the membership involved and engaged. There's so many ways to engage with SWAPA now. And before there was just, you know, you're either on the board in the meetings and you read the RP and that was pretty much it. Everybody had the little newspaper when you go out to fly and you'd read once a month. Now you're getting things every day, every, you know, twice a week, regularly scheduled calm, detailed calm. The level of communication is just much bigger. So it's SWAPA has come quite a long way. So, Mike, you are finishing up your second term as vice president, and you're one of the last elected union officers who had a front row seat to negotiations in 2015. Tell us a little bit about uh, that time leading into those negotiations and during. Yeah, so the 2015 board of directors came to uh, the table with a membership that was uninformed. Uh, our unity was not very good. The polling numbers back then, SWAPA didn't rank very high, just slightly better than the company. And and that was all less than 50%. Do you think, um, just if you don't mind if I sure, jump in here, um, do you think that that has anything to do with um, culture erosion to some extent? I think it did. I, th- I think a lot of the culture erosion happened. Uh, we had a few things happen. And I'd go back to like 2007, 2008, when focus really became on cost. And, and they put up scoreboards in the pilot lounges and they talked you know, so heavily to containing costs, keeping things, you know, under control in the cost sense. It seemed like we took our eye off the quality ball mm-hmm. and kept it on the, on the uh, quantitative ball and, and, and it kind of dumbed down the business model. And then we went through obviously uh, an acquisition of another airline and merging of two cultures that were somewhat different and the stress that that put on the pilot group. So you didn't have a lot of unity to begin with. Right. And then you introduce the 2012 contract where we really hadn't made much progress, any progress. We ended up just going into mediation in, in uh, I believe it was early 2014. So now you bring the government into a deal that hadn't gone anywhere and things get more complex. So you have a new board in 2015 and we came out of the gate with the commitment to do things a little bit differently at SWAPA. And, and again, the, we talked about the iPilot thing before. iPilot was one of those, you know, let's get some, let's get the most information we've ever given out to the pilot group. And I think Scott Plyler in the first iPilot call blew the minds of some of these pilots have never heard so much information like, oh my, and you want us to share this? And and yes, we want you to go share it. Well, what's the goal of the program is that we don't need it anymore because everyone knows what's going on. I think as, a, as an aside, it was actually, it was a kind of a brilliant idea, honestly, because it was pilots talk to each other and that's how they get information. And so quite honestly, that was just sort of a a, a very grassroots way to, to get that the membership involved. And it was actually really brilliant. It, it was just, I think we, we didn't execute on it quite right, but doesn't mean that it wasn't a great idea. No, and, I, and I think the, where there's the silver lining of that program is, is that now you've got pilots saying, I can, I can have this information and I can be involved in the process. It's like what the internet did to, uh, you know, sales, you actually put all the tools in the hands of the purchaser right. and the salesmen have to sharpen up their game. So, Uh, You know, so 2015, we come in and uh, we've got, you know, this board's got a whole lot of energy coming out of the gate. And we hired some consultants to talk to us about our communication strategy and how we can run the business better. And and running the business better is one of the big drivers for me because Swapa is a business. It's a $21 million, well, now $25 million business. And we have, you know, obviously all of our staff members are employees of that business. And we have a very specific drive and mandate. And we needed to do that well. And where I think 2015 started coming off the coming off the uh, the uh, the rails was that I believe I was very familiar with what the pilots had wanted for the next contract, 
and polling showed something a little bit different. And I'm not sure that the polling was as accurate as it should have been. But, you know, you had the NC that the only horsepower the NC has is how much the board and the pilot group will stand behind them. If you give them the horsepower, they can do whatever you want them to do as long as that's within reason. Um, this NC had been battling for a while and there were some changes made um, and basically looking at the data from the polling and the positions of the NC and how it, things had been going inside the negotiating room, the divergence between the board and um, the president and the NC began. And obviously that came to a head when the, the TA1 deal was brought to the board, which they didn't feel represented what their asks were, uh, even though at that point it was still industry leading by a nickel. The initial blush of everyone that looked at it could easily tell that this was going to be a really tough sell to the membership. And the board, we I was one of them. I can only speak for myself, but I know, uh, you know, between myself, Captain Weeks, who is now our president, we all looked at that immediately and said, this, this is not what we want. Mm -hmm. And so we needed a movement to generate off of that deal. And obviously we all argued on how we would do that, but the membership ultimately weighed in and said, no, this is not what we want. And that gave us the horsepower to go and get what we needed to get. Um, yeah, interesting times in 2015. Um, first time union rep as a, like the assistant coach up in uh, Baltimore. <laughs> right. And then in July, obviously we had, we had um, our current VP at that time had uh, resigned and I, I was JA'd by the board um, to come in and, and, and run in this. So new union guy, brand new VP, TA1, and then all of a sudden, you know, the rebuild. So 2015 was an interesting year. So what's funny is I bet a lot of people don't, don't realize this, but you were technically the president of SWAPA for about four days. To talk, to, talk to us a little bit about that. So, uh, yeah, for four whole days. Uh, I was the pro tem vice president. It, it, you know, like I just said, I was, you know, the assistant coach, the, the vice chair in Baltimore with Mike Santoro. And then all of a sudden the pro tem uh, vice president and then the pro tem president in, in a very, very short amount of time. And yeah, John took office on uh, January 4th. So technically for four days, uh, I was I was the president. I didn't move into his office and set up shop or anything. I never actually, I, I don't think I ever even Are you sure? did anything I, differently. I, you, didn't, you didn't hang up things around the no, office no, and I take actually, all that no, down? I, and... I left all my stuff in my office. I didn't take any phone calls in there. I didn't, you know, I wanted just maybe one time to go in and take a call with my feet up on the desk. <laughs> just like, you know, be somebody. But no, I didn't do any of that. Um, what I did... When uh, when Paul resigned and uh, and and left, um, that was a it was a very uncomfortable time for everybody on the board, uh, and it was it was not the most pleasant time. And actually, if if we were in therapy right now, I'd probably tell you more about it. But um, this is uh, this is obviously for consumption, and why is it why is it important? Because I think that was when our board and our executives got the first dose of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. And that was really an awkward thing to have to come out of the, the meeting and say to the membership, you know, the building's on fire, but we put it out. Mm -hmm. We're going to open the doors. We're going to let you see what's happening here. And we're going to tell you what we're doing. Then we're going to show you that we're doing it. And then we're going to go back and review how we did. And that will be in front of you so that, you know, we couldn't ask for trust because we didn't earn it. And so that was the beginning of a, of a new day. I mean, that's a new swappa. And uh, while we're not perfect by any stretch, we still make mistakes. We still have our gaffes. We're all human. 
But uh, that was a day that I thought was significant in that the board finally said, we're not doing business this way anymore. And, and some of the things we've done have been uncomfortable. The communication style that we have during negotiations has been very open, much more to the comfort of the pilots than it is to the company and maybe even the mediator right. when we were in uh, mediation. But that was, a, that was a big time. It was a really big time. So what was it like as a guy who was hired before, you know, 9-11 to be picketing Southwest? That was an interesting day. Um, you know, September 10th of 2001, I put every penny I had into a down payment on a house to build in Orlando. And then I got on an airplane and flew to New York to see my parents upstate. And obviously, when you wake up at 9-11, everybody knows where they were. You know, everyone remembers where they were and what they were doing. And I remember the phone calls coming in. Uh, I had family in both the World Trade Center and in the Pentagon. And we were anxiously awaiting to hear that everybody had got home safe. Fortunately, we got everybody home. But unfortunately, other families did not. So that was a pretty significant day. And then the history of Southwest unfolds after that. I mean, one of the great chapters in Southwest history is that they didn't lose money and they didn't furlough anybody. Even when they were in class on 9-11, they're still here. And those guys are, I, mean, I think we're all grateful. I think everybody, even, you know, everybody here at SWAP, we're all grateful for, for how Southwest weathered that storm. And then fast forward to 2016 in February, a cold morning where John and his team were over at the GO doing the picket on site. And I walked up and, and addressed a room of a hundred and something people that actually showed up. I mean, we didn't know how many were going to actually you know, come out on a day off, especially a cold day. Right. And, you know, after two circuits out on the street for several hours and a bunch of numb fingers um, and, and hope to God I never have to do another news interview again. But, uh, you know, that was a huge day for, for SWAPA because after that, I mean, pilots were like, hey, we, we can actually do something in our favor to get this thing done, to get this contract through. And it was a big deal. It was uh, and everybody, a lot of the people said the same thing. It's bittersweet. Why should we don't want to be out here, but man, it's great to see everybody and great to be a part of something bigger than us, which is uh, is a great step for for us. And it was very painful for some of us. You know, if Herb pulled me aside today and asked me what I was doing, how would I explain that? Am I the same guy you hired? I am. But, you know, this is what relationship management needs to be uh, considered as before, you know, before you get to a point where deals don't work. It's, it's funny that you mentioned the, the first picket being cold in February and contrast that with the last picket that we did in <laughs> Dallas, you know, uh, months later in, in August where it was broiling hot and everybody yeah. was, you know, and there, and it was the largest single site picket in the history. Yeah, of- it was uh, it was impressive to walk that picket line and, and to go from one end of it to the other through the terminal, how many pilots took their day off to come in and. And, and push forward. And again, I think everybody came out to do that for a bright, brighter future and better, better living for our pilot group. And that was really important. That was a great day. For those who don't know, SWAP is projecting that we'll hit the 10,000 pilot mark before we open next year. What does that mean for our organization? Well, I think it's huge because you, you have, uh, and really it's about participation. And we tell uh, new hires and upgrades and, and the guys that run the GAC and the PAC, they will tell you that it's really about participation. What moves the needle is how many pilots that we have. Uh, we give our, our president a really nice hammer to go out and say we have 10,000 pilots. But when we say we have 7,500 of them engaged in the PAC, which is our political action committee, that tells 
you know, the people on the Hill that it's, it's like, these guys are for real. They've got real, they've got real interest. These people are voters. Uh, they command a good economy. You know, they work for a huge employer and, uh, and, and their voice is heard. And that number, we play chess on five levels. I mean, we play with wall street and the government. We play with the media. We play with the traveling public. We play with Southwest airlines. And the more numbers we have, the better we do. And, and quite honestly, the only reason we're here is because unity is what moves the needle. And when you can get 10,000 people marching, you can get, you know, that many pilots that showed up in that August 2016 day that was so hot. Uh, that says a lot. That, that's power. That's, that's where our power is. We've talked a lot about informational picketing, but one of the things that came out of that was Swap a Family. Talk to us a little bit about Swap a Family and how that has impacted the organization as a whole. So we, uh, and I remember having this conversation, this was back in the iPilot times where we were thinking like, how do we get, you know, where are decisions made in a pilot's family? And a lot of times, you know, we all talk tough on the internet and we keyboard warriors and things like that. But really when it comes down to decisions for your family, they're made at the kitchen table. And the family has never been part of SWAPA, had never been part of SWAPA, wasn't never even addressed. And what we wanted to do, uh, and, and again, it was we didn't think at that point we would ever send a strike booklet to anybody's house, and we don't really want to. But when that comes home, how is that taken in the household? I mean, because these things, pilot careers are impacted. You know, not everybody has a working spouse that, you know, I, I kind of, you know, uh, I, I liken it to, you know, pilots go out and make the money, but the CEO kind of lives at the house and directs a lot of that. So we needed to bring in the family members so that there was a comfort with what we were doing and why we were doing it so that when we needed that unity the most, that the support would be there at home. So, uh, yeah, again, I think swap a family started off. We JA Gene Peck. Um, there were a couple of us sitting around a table and said, who could we get to do this and who's got the personality for it? And Jean bubbled to the top and, and we called her and said, you've been voluntold. And she has done an amazing job with swap a family. And, uh, and quite honestly, when you go to the events, you see why. And, uh, and I really, I think that is a force multiplier for us when we have family members, not just our 10,000 pilots that we should have here shortly, but uh, for the, the, the times three, times four, times five that we have at home that can help us keep that unity alive when we need it the most. Before you head out, uh, anything else you'd like our members to know about SWAPA, about volunteering, our services? Yeah. So um, one thing I, I'd love to see is more people participate. Um, we've come a long way in the last four years and, and I'm tired and I'd like to go and, and, and go back to my family and go back to flying airplanes and, and doing the things I like to do outside. Sadly, we don't, we just don't let you go. That's well, just... uh, it's, uh, it's somehow it's, I think it's like the mafia, you, you know, just when I thought I was out, they pull me <laughs> back in. Um, I have, I have a lot of, uh, of corporate knowledge and a lot of experience with some of the things that we've done over the last few years. So I'm, I, there's no way I can unplug completely and call myself a, a good team. Teammate, uh, but I, I intend to go fly. But we'd love to see some talented new blood come in, and we'd love to see more participation in voting and and really participating in the in the process. There's there are committees that are not that deep. Uh, we do get some interest here and there, but uh, it's really sad when I see un, unopposed elections going on. It's really sad when we see no no engagement on a lot of the things that there are to talk about. And, and quite honestly, we just had an election the other day and less than half of our pilots voted to change their vacation or to elect another executive. This is our 2020 team. And, and we had uh, less than half of our pilots decided to vote. I'd love to see guys just get more, more involved and understand what you're voting on. Call us. 
I mean, that's what we're here for. 41% to be exact. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's disappointing. And, and I, I have to give a shout out, and this is something that's going to grow over the next few years. Uh, our pilot services committees, a lot of people don't know about SISM, the critical incident stress management team. They don't know about LIFT, Project LIFT, our emotional and, and mental support team, and HIMS, people, the drug and alcohol policy people, and our professional standards people. We have all of these services that really don't hit, they don't hit the surface a lot because they're, they're kind of behind the scenes guys. They, they help you when you're in your worst possible spot and they, and they, they really, they save lives. They, they all save lives. They're safe. They are all safety programs. They're all recovery programs. They are all keeping pilots in the fight till the end of their career. Um, those committees are great. The communications committee, you guys put out so many amazing products. There's so many, uh, the fact that we're doing a podcast, it, I mean, I was doing podcasts and, you know, with a little backpack kit when I was doing things for kids that are bullied in school. And the fact that we have a podcast now is just awesome. The fact that we have so many blogs we have, we're on the internet in so many different ways. There's so many products and the quality of those products is amazing. And there's never been more information for our pilots to engage with. Please, please, please read it engage with us, ask questions, know what you're voting on and engage on it. You know, it's your career. But, uh, and I just tell you, you just got to understand that SWAPA is you. And, you know, for better or for worse, 10,000 people will be on this property if you get engaged and we can get as many people moving towards improving pilot lives as possible. That's the mission. And then with that, we keep you safe. We get you to the end of your career. We'll try and get your airline to the end of your career leave you with a big bag of money every two weeks and at the end of it all, and then hopefully leave it better than we started. Yeah. I don't think most people know, but you sort of wrote our mission statement, actually part of it. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, not everybody's into the wall speak, but we got to unify as many people as possible. And then we got to go out and do these things. We got to keep you safe. If you die at work, we fail. If you, you know, if you can't get to the end of your career because you're not healthy or you screwed up somewhere and we didn't represent you, we failed. If we, do something to kill the company. We failed. Right. You know, if we don't give you the return on your investment to be a Southwest Airlines pilot, we failed. And if we don't leave this union better than we found it, we failed. Right. And so, you know, I live by that. That's that's been my driving force the entire time I've been here. And uh, and I know the the people that that are here today, even when I walk out the door in two months, it's they're doing it. I know they're doing it. I see it every day. Well, Mike, thanks for coming on the podcast to talk about all the changes that you've seen, both in SWAPA and at Southwest. And it's always great to hear some of the history the organization has experienced in order to prepare us for future negotiations and and to prepare people for finishing their careers, as you said. Um, so So we really appreciate you spending your time with us. I was glad to be here. As always, we want to hear from our listeners. Drop us a line at com at swapa.org and let us know what you liked and what you didn't. And tell us if you have any ideas for topics you want to see covered in an upcoming episode. As a teaser, our next podcast will be talking with EFA and IRC chair Eric Schnitzler about the state of the industry and what he sees some of the other carriers looking for in their upcoming negotiations. Today's bonus number is 41.4%. That's the percentage of pilots who voted in this year's fall general election. It's simply not enough. This year's slate of candidates and issues will determine the actions SWAPA takes in 2020 and beyond. If you voted, thank you. If you didn't, now is the time for everyone to get involved and start paying attention to the issues we collectively face. Your engagement and your participation are vital, as like in 2016, we're going to need all hands on deck to achieve a contract worthy of our membership. 
Southwest 40. Only one to right, check the land. Clear to land, one to right, Southwest 40.